Welcome to a bit about crypto. I'm David James, the job whisperer, and I'm here. It must be two o'clock Pacific time on a Sunday. If you're uh, listening to us out there in uh, YouTube, Spotify or Apple iPod or Apple podcast land. And I'm here once again with my co-host, Robo Recruiter, Dave Hampton. Talk about it. How's it going? What have you been doing? Uh, just life. What have you been recruiting on? What have I not been recruiting on? Yeah, right. Uh, that's the question, right? right? So, uh, non-technical, technical. We got all in the blockchain space. Yeah, blockchain engineers, developers, front end, back end, side end. You know. Yeah. So for our audience, as you know, marketing we're, managers, we're recruiters, and we actually own blockchain recruiters. And for the longest time, David and I recruited oil and gas. Right for a while, and together we recruited in commercial construction, and we just. You know, when I caught, caught the bug so hard about Bitcoin and blockchain, I said, we've got to get, we got to just recruit in the blockchain space. And we, we, we shuttered our construction practice, and we're 100% uh, blockchain. And uh, the genesis of this podcast yeah. was... And a few factors, I think, led to that, right? Talk about I it. Think, uh, I think COVID. Yeah, COVID. I think COVID was a silver lining, if you ask me. I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, as much as it, it shuttered a little bit of our revenue... It opened the doors up to uh, to blockchain and to other avenues that that could diversify us for the better. Yeah, but but for me, I just uh, plus construction was on its way down. It yeah, still is, and, and, and I hated it. <laughs> I mean, I love blockchain, and I always say to people, if you love what you do, you will will be happy, right? Mm -hmm. Or what you say, yeah, never work a day in your yeah, life. Never right? work a day in your life. And I I just I just couldn't pick up that. 5,000 pound phone and say, hey, you want a job as a traveling superintendent building an Amazon warehouse? I just... It wasn't like that prior to COVID, I'm just saying. I know, it, but it became like that after COVID. Well, yeah. For whatever a reason. lot of things came like that yeah. after COVID, so... Well, not, not blockchain. Not blockchain, though. blockchain went the other way. Blockchain grew on me like a Chia pet. That's what happened. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just saying. And so anyhow, so the purpose of this show, everybody, is this is a human interest story. And we actually bring on what I consider to be amazing guests. And since, uh, you know, we are the, we're the seeker of people for a living, right? I happen to be currently on this podcast, the speaker seeker. And I got someone special today. But before we get to that, let's talk about what blockchain recruiters is. So if unlike any recruiting firm I've ever worked for, for worked with, created, you had to have a certain skill set. But but blockchain is very different, right? So if you want a job in the blockchain space, you reach out to us at blockchainrecruiters.net. Or if you want to find me directly, uh, you call me uh, on Twitter. I'm at the BTC Recruiter, and I'm David James. And if you want to send an email of a resume, you can go to Dave. <laughs> and I'm going to give him his. Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net. That's sure. net, net, net. With I'll actually net. respond. Yeah. <laughs> he, he will He will actually. Yeah. Not like, like me when I threw your resume away, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. Well, your I, I won't throw your resume away. Your resume was throwawayable. It just was. No, that's not true. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole, whole different story. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Anyhow. Guy called me from Afghanistan. He knew I threw his resume away. I did. That's why I hired him later on. Um, anyhow, um, so yeah, so the the purpose of the show is, uh, so yeah, if you're looking for a job, you call Blockchain Recruiters. So we got that out of the way, but I'm really excited. I, I, uh, I get, so I'm going to ask before we get to our guest. So David, uh, you like watching the news as a kid? Remember how like with ABC, NBC, CBS? That was not, not especially, no. but it was, it was kind of forced. Uh, you know, if my, my my dad would, 
he he managed to control her and you know he who ha- seizes the controller has seizes the power of the tv well, it's funny that you say that right because you know i'm 57 years old and you, you, my, were, you were the controller my son said to me hey did you have a remote control uh tv changer when you were a kid and i said you're looking at it right you're no 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 uh, not only are you looking at it like hey stay there channel four it's commercial stay there channel two no channel seven and this is the worst one like living living up in la Habra heights right in like 1975 we're, we're broke Right, literally, I would have to hold the physically hold the antenna, right? Because when I would let go, it would get fu- uh, fuzzy. So they they oh, yeah. they're making me hold the yeah. antenna. No, my, my dad had a solution for that. That was called that was like the big satellite dish. Yeah, that was like well, the eyesore I, in the backyard. I, I, I think you you're in a better socioeconomic thing. Anyhow, stop distracting me from what I want to say. <laughs> so uh, my experience is there there are people that you see on the air, right? And I always said to myself, why is he standing out in the rain? Right. I mean, literally, the accident is over. I know. I get it. Right. But reporting from the courthouse. But yeah, but court's not for like till Monday. Right. And they go to all these kind of places. Well, there are a few people that I actually uh, remembered. I I, I literally remembered. And it's just so funny being the speaker seeker. Right. For this podcast. I got a hold of somebody who actually was in Bitcoin. And when I finally spoke to her, I said, I remember watching you every morning. When I would actually get ready for work, right? 2000, I remember exactly where I was living and what I was doing, et cetera, et cetera. And so with no further ado, I'd like to bring this show, Miss Elsa Ramon. Ramon. Can't do it very well. I'm, Ramon. I'm, I'm Ramon. Pretty, Ramon. I'm pretty well. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't roll your tongue that Well, it's, it's, it, that's a gene. Being, being able to, it yeah, is, it, it's genetic. It is, it is. He, he actually is speaking the truth for once, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we pioneered Latin food with mayonnaise and white bread. Sour cream, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, Elsa Ramon. Well, Hello, David's. Yeah, yeah, so I'm David, he's Dave. So we actually. That's understand. what he says. I, I go by either one. So that's so, that is so funny because my brother is David and my boyfriend is Dave. Dave does not like to be called David and vice versa. What's wrong with him? What, what's, <laughs> yeah, seriously, what is wrong with him? He, I, I'm, I'm good with either one. You know, what's wrong with all you guys? No, no, he doesn't. He, he likes Dave. I think we're, bo- we're boring the listeners. I think Elsa is more interesting than Dave or David. Don't you agree, That's Dave? the first true thing you said. Right, okay. Well, I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, maybe I should be in the news business, right? <laughs> Very few true things. Well, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about news today. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about the news today. Oh, well, yeah, because back in the day, it was always true, you know? Yeah. So, Elsa, tell, talk to us about you. So, like, your genesis, like, you know, from, like, zero to 12th grade, where'd you live? What was your socioeconomic situation? <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't know. I never found it that exciting. You know, we did uh, here. You, you could probably guess the neighborhoods we lived in. We chased after the ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we would go to the corner liquor store and buy our lemon heads now and laters in Boston, big beans. We took the bus, uh, city bus to and from school, uh, grew up in Culver city, Venice. Um, you know, and, and I, I went to elementary school, uh, at, at a school called Westminster Avenue um, Elementary, and which is right on Abbott Kinney. And back then it wasn't Abbott Kinney like it is now, right? It's It was not the nice, posh little uh, strip of stores and boutiques. No, it, 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 Venice became gentrified, right? It, very much so. Right, yeah. But, you know, my grandparents bought their house 
in 1970 off 4th and Rose. And I grew up there pretty much. So it wasn't what it is today. I'll tell you that, but it's still home to me. And every time I go over the hill to the West side from the Valley, it just, I feel like home. What's what's Casablanca's the restaurant there when you were, yeah. Yes. It was there. Uh, Casablanca's was, that was there forever. Best best handmade tortillas on planet earth to this day. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, that was uh, a place we would go to often. Um, you know, all the lucky grocery stores that were around there yeah. off Lincoln and, you know, you know, yes, uh, all, all that stuff. The car wash that's uh, up Lincoln when you're heading back towards the 90. Right. The car wash was there forever. Anyway, yeah, the Conroy's flowers. I just I remember all that growing up in those those streets there. So that's that's where I grew up. Had a, a teenage mom. She was 15 when she had me, 17 when she had my brother, and 21 when she had my sister. So, uh, you know, life was pretty interesting as a kid. Wow. It was more like having a sister instead of a mom. Yeah, you know, I understand. So, um, well, I, I would like... That, 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 that's fascinating. But, but so when you got done with high school, right... Did, because you know you're a newscaster, and I recognize you from the news. And I mean, you were a newscaster, right? and, and much of your career is that. What did you actually find yourself actually thinking about? Hey, this is what I'm going to be like around the junior or senior of high school. Was it I'm going to college? I'm not going to college. Oh, oh my gosh! So there was a period. My dad's from Austin, Texas. Okay. So there was a brief period where, as a kid, we moved back to Austin because my dad was sick of LA. He's very, very Texas. He's very Austin. My mom. Born and raised Venice, uh, you know, she went to Coeur d'Alene Elementary and Venice High. And, you know, so I don't even know how they got together. I, <laughs> I don't even know how that worked for a while. But anyway, um, we moved back to Texas briefly for a couple of years. And um, I don't know, I must have been about 10, 9, 10 years old. And I had a crush on a boy up the street. And I didn't know his mom was a producer for a kid's news show called Kids World. Well, apparently she thought I'd be good to try out for it. And she asked my parents if I could try out to be a kid reporter. And so my parents let me do it. How old are you? How old are you when this is happening? I was only 10. Okay, go on. So fifth grade. 10, 11 years old. Go on. Yeah, fifth grade, so. So you went down to the, to the NBC affiliate in Austin and did the tryouts and they picked uh, 12 kids, six kid anchors and six kid reporters. So I got to do a little bit of both. And at 10 years old, I was going out to stories with a producer and a photographer shooting stories and sitting in the edit bays afterwards and going through the whole process of putting together a story and voicing a story. So it was at that point, I was like, this is really fun. I'm meeting so many cool people and seeing all these interesting things and going around with these news crews, like, wow, this is, this is like next level stuff, you know, as a 10 year old kid, yeah, fantastic. you yeah. know, just, especially as someone who's, you know, parents are, they're struggling and there's not much. And, you know, I think that at that time, um, you know, my parents would probably get mad at me for saying this, but there was a time that, um, uh, you know, we moved into a new house and um, we, we were renting a house and for a while we didn't have a refrigerator or a stove. So we had a cooler and we were <laughs> eating like McDonald's and then, you know, our cooler, the, you know, just a regular cooler was 
our fridge for a while because my parents didn't have the money to get those things uh, over from the Renaissance Center. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. I get back it. in those days. Back in the day. So, right. so the fact that I, it was just mind blowing to me that I'm running around doing all these things with producers and photographers and then going home and nobody, you know what I mean? That was just kind of how we lived for a couple of months because, you know, my, my parents were struggling. So um, it, it was mind blowing to me, but it changed my course and my path forever. Uh, because at that point, I really thought I was going to be a doctor or a veterinarian or something, a nurse, something like that. And uh, that's it. I got the bug. And from that point on, everything I did from the time I was 10 years old till I uh, graduated from college and got my first job, everything I did was geared towards making that happen. So, okay. So then, I, because I know people that actually left high school and they actually started that path, but you, you didn't, you went to college and you didn't even have like take a journalism. You were like a creative writer kind of thing, right? So talk about yeah, talk, was, talk was, about that decision. And I can understand probably your parents having you so young and bad socioeconomic challenges. Hey, if you got a chance to go to college, you can do the the, the news reporting will always be there. Probably that conversation. Yeah, I mean, my parents thought it was great that I go for that. You know, of course they they did all they could to give us an opportunity to make those kind of choices. So. Um, I ended up going to UC Irvine, but there was no communications program, no journalism program. But while I was interning um, uh, at uh, my very first internship at Channel 2, at, at the local CBS station here in Los Angeles, um, and also at Channel 4, I interned there as well. I had the reporters telling me, you know, it really doesn't matter if you're a communications major, in fact, it's better if you're something else, maybe political science or comparative literature, because you really get, a, or philosophy, you, you get a history, you get a well-rounded education. Mm. And I believe to this day, that's true. I'll totally vouch for that. I ended up going to Irvine and I was a English and comparative literature major. And it just really set me up for a lot of writing and critical thinking and contra uh, compare and contrast writing. So I felt like that prepared me a lot uh, because there's really nothing that can compare you for being actually thrown into a newsroom. Right. Because there's nothing in school that can teach you what it's like in there. It's freaking crazy yeah. <laughs> in a newsroom and in a news environment. And there's nothing that can prepare you for that. You get thrown in and you sink or swim. It's kind of like that movie by Ron Howard, The Paper, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. And just just the chaos and it's moving. You know, they did it. They didn't do it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So when I think about that, I, I when you tell me that story, I, I was I was thinking a lot about that. So yeah, so you threw yourself into doing becoming an anchor, right? And that was the next thing. Then you went to Phoenix, and then various stations in in LA, et cetera, et cetera. And you had a real successful career as a news anchor, right? I was very lucky. I feel like you know, it's timing, it's luck, it's the hard work, it's all those and and talent. I you got to be talented. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I got my first job a year and a half out of college in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to be so close to home for my first job because I was broke as hell. You know, uh, you know, they don't pay you much in those first TV jobs. They're like, you want to be on TV? You want a shot? 
here's your uh, $15,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now go out and find yeah, two roommates. Wage. Yeah. Just, yeah. Right. just right. be happy that you, that you got a job doing this. No, totally. That, right. and that was, you know, it was yeah. like back then it was like, okay, I'll do whatever you say, you know, I'll live off. It was like, yeah. I was, I was eating worse than I was in, in college. At least in college, I, I had student loans and, uh, you know, <laughs> financial aid to help, you know, when I was out there with the first job, it was just me. So it was like ramen. I'd make a tray of lasagna and I'd freeze it and cut a piece out, uh, you know, every night until I, you know, I roof and put it back in the freezer until I finished that tray of lasagna. You know, I mean, everything was that tight. Yeah. 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 I, I can relate. Uh, you know, so yeah, Palm Springs, then I, and then Monterey, Northern California, a little bit of a bigger market. And then the big jump was from Monterey to Phoenix. Right. And that's, that's, you know, when I knew them from Phoenix, Dallas, LA, San Antonio, LA again. So it, I, I was very, very lucky that I was given all these opportunities and I didn't say I'm going to be an anchor. I just think it worked out that way. Um, you know, they, when I very first started at my first TV station, they really wanted to hire another female anchor. They were starting a new morning show and she at the last minute declined and they really didn't have a choice. So they put me in there. They're like, Hey, you want to anchor the mornings? I was like, Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Only 30 years of like dreaming about it. Yeah, sure. R- right it. time, right place. Isn't that how it always, yeah. you know, happens? Well, it, that's all it was. It yeah. totally, that's yeah. all it was. Yeah. So, so yeah, but then, you know, and it, it's funny because I remember like w- when we first spoke like, several months ago, right? And I remember speaking to you and you were supposed to be on my show, but you had the audacity to catch COVID, you and your entire family. Right? How, how dare you? Actually, you know? we didn't have COVID. That's, that's oh, the weird oh, thing. Oh, the people you were with for the weekend had it. Yeah, we, yeah, the people who we were around uh, had COVID. COVID and they exposed us and didn't tell us. And so we had to quarantine and get tested every other day. It was really, you know, we were all vaccinated. So we, we figured, well, if we get it, you know, this, this will help our chances of uh, not ending up in the hospital and ending up horribly sick, but still, you know, people, people who are vaccinated can still come down with it. And I still don't want to find out <laughs> what it feels like. So anyway, that's what it was. We yeah. came, we well, what, what I wanted to say is I remember I have zoom calling with you and it's like, I can't believe this gal is actually talking back to me. I mean, uh, because I mean, I've seen you for all these years and now we're actually in dialogue and, and for our audience, the thing about that is, is that, you know, like myself, right. Elsa had, she got orange pilled. Right. And she, <laughs> yeah. she decided, look, I uh, just like we, we had an epiphany. It's like, we have to be part of this blockchain stuff. You know, you also are old enough. I give this analogy, right. Close encounters of the third kind, right. That movie is such a great metaphor because they didn't care about the wife or the parents, or what the job says or what your roles. We are going toward this mountain and this energy is there. And everyone said they were crazy and they get on the other side and, Boop, 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 right? And it's like, yeah, man, it's not just us. We're all hearing this thing together. And yeah. it's synonymous. That there's not a better metaphor for people who actually see cryptocurrency, blockchain, and specifically Bitcoin, and go, hey man, I'm I'm not, I'm gonna be on the on the I'm gonna front run all this. I'm gonna front run everybody. And so far I have. And 
and so as you you heard that that we've re, uh, repurposed our firm, repurposed our life, started this podcast, right? And and uh, this podcast, I, I had another guest on recently. He said, "Hey, I'm just a Bitcoin guy," and some podcasters don't like that. And I said, "I don't care because basically this is a human interest story, and basically crypto, NFT, blockchain, whatever that thing was that changed you, I want your take on your life." So I always ask this question, but I'm asking it in such a way where you actually realize you had to purpose, repurpose your life for entirely Bitcoin. But how did crypto or Bitcoin find you? Yeah, you talk about that aha moment. I think people who are in this space know exactly where they were, when it happened, um, because it's such an enlightening experience. I was uh, a friend of a friend said, hey, uh, I have a good friend. He wants. To, he's a technologist. He invests in cryptocurrencies. This was like late 2017, uh, early 2018. And he said, you know, um, he wants somebody who could moderate a panel. He's putting together a panel of like a tax crypto tax attorney and a, a crypto lawyer and a, a investor and uh, you know a, a, just a myriad of people to talk about crypto. And he wanted to hold a a nice little thing for people to come and learn and ask questions. But he wants somebody, he wants us to be professional and he wants somebody who can kind of MC the thing, be the traffic cop. He goes, will you come and do that? And at this point, you know, I, I knew Bitcoin existed. What year is this? Day. What year is this? Early 2018. Okay. Like, he started talking to me about at the end of 2017, this, this panel thing that his friend was holding was um, in February of 2018. So I said, sure, yeah, I'll come on out and do it, whatever. And so, you know, I'm at this event and I'm sitting there listening just like everybody else, but everybody else in the audience really, I would say most everybody came to hear about the investing part. They heard about this Bitcoin thing and they wanted to learn how they can, you know, make so much money because they're hearing about people not only making money in Bitcoin, but all these altcoins and that's what they were there for. But while I was there uh, introducing each speaker and in between speakers, I was actually listening to all these people, what they had to say. I was like, this is incredible. I never knew what this was all about. I always joked around just like everybody else when I heard little uh, snippets of what Bitcoin is in the news, right? We all heard all the stories about Silk Road and, you know, the nefarious activities and linked to Bitcoin and blah, blah, blah. You know, that narrative had been going on for several years at that point. And that's all I really knew. But once I was at this, this panel, I was like this, oh my gosh, it was a complete reset. That was my aha moment. What job, did, what job did you have? Were you, were you uh, working in broadcasting news? Oh yeah. I was here at CBS LA okay. and KCAL. I was, I was anchoring the news here. And, um, you know, I went to this panel thing on a weekend. And when I came back, I was like, I know what I'm going to leave TV news for. Okay. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, because the last five or so years, especially I had been really kind of disenchanted with how we were being perceived in the media and the news. Some of it warranted. Who, who's we? We as newscasters or we as the media? Reporters. Yeah, media, the news, yeah. Media in general, but also reporters, newscasters, everybody just in this business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The bias that and, comes with um, you guys, not biased, all that stuff, right? Right. I mean, you know, and and I think there have, there have been effective campaigns since the beginning of the Tea Party 
to vilify the mainstream media. Now, some of it is warranted, I would say, on the cable level. Absolutely. It's so polarized and it's so clear to me how biased each side, you know, depending on what channel you want. It's exhausting. Yeah, it is. It's so exhausting. Very very animal farmish at times. But yes, very much so. But on a local level, we're not like that. You know, we're on a public channel. Cable channels are paid. And so as a public channel um, and local news, we're beholden to the people who watch us, to our viewers. And, you know, it just we just got lumped in with the cable nets and what the cable nets were doing. And it was but also there was some of it, uh, some of that criticism was earned, though, on the local level, because over the last five to 10 years, we've been chasing the shiny things, the car chases. Oh, there's a tree down. Okay, go stand in front of this tree. In the rain. Right. In the rain. And, you know, all those things. And I thought, okay, you know, it's it's no secret that these things are clickbait and news just becoming more and more more so of a business than of a, a service. And it became, you know, the bottom line was clearly more important resources that were important to reporters and people who used the who needed these resources to tell stories and investigate. All those were being just pulled away out of newsrooms. And, you know, just it's a story with a lot of corporate companies yeah, who do it, more or less. And they try to see what they can do more with without having to pay for it. So, um, you know, just all of this, these things just started adding up for me. It, it always uh, seemed that, excuse me for interrupting. It always seems that, I mean, it, my, my take on news in the last, I guess, last five, eight years is always, it's like always been about catastrophe. It's always like the negative stuff always. And that's, that was, that was the major turnout for me. It was like, what, where's the positive aspects? You know, what are the things that we really need to know? I mean, I, I, I've, uh, it was a long time ago that I, I just I started looking at alternative sources of information versus just the main main stuff, main public news channels and stuff. Well, and you hit the nail on the head because I think with the onset of social media, that really also changed the structure of what news covers or what right. is deemed news because now the networks are competing with social media and people are able to kind of curate and, um, you know, pick and choose what they want to watch, read about, learn about on social media and on the Internet. Right. <laughs> so the networks definitely had a problem and do have a problem competing with that. So, of course, you know, they turn up the clickbait and and they have to do what they have to do to try to make a, a corporation survive. Right. But when you do that, there's something that suffers and being of service, in my opinion, uh, as a journalist is what suffered. Yeah, the um, never say that I, yeah, I, I can never say I was miserable. I am so grateful for every opportunity I've ever had. And it has been an incredible journey. Uh, I am so lucky that I got to work where I worked. And I was so lucky that the people who hired me gave me those opportunities. And, you know, I mean, it's, it really is still incredible to me when I look back sometimes that I, <laughs> it was like a, 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 a you know, in an instant, I I could look back and I feel like I was still starting my first job. It sounds it sounds like I'm sorry, David. It's I was just saying it's, it's such the right attitude because that that gratitude I think is what enables us to to propel what I think God calls us for, whatever that is. I think that's just 
I mean, I think about everything that I've done uh, that led me up to being a recruiter and everything that I did was purposeful, uh, you know, without God actually telling me. I mean, he just, he, I just, I did all these other things that led me to the, uh, you know, to what, what I was, you know, as a recruiter to where we are right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I applaud you for that. Indeed. I think it's, I think it's so relevant that you did what you did to get to where you are, which is I'm sure where you're going to get to. Yeah, and with, with my recruiter here, right, which I've always had, <clears throat> what I heard in, in just talking to your story is there was a crisis of conscience. There's a crisis of conscience. Yes. Right? And so, which brings us to, like, so, okay, so you heard about, you heard about this panel. Did you go out and buy Bitcoin that day, or, or did you, I mean, certainly... You have to have a little bit. Maybe you have it on PayPal. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So after that, um, my friend who had asked me on behalf of his friend who set up this whole panel, the technologist and investor, he introduced me to him and we became friends. I became friends with his wife and his family. And he just, he enjoyed teaching so much that he spent a ton of time with me teaching me about digital wallets. Um, I think Exodus was the first uh, wallet that I downloaded and bought crypto from Bitcoin and a few other things that he had recommended uh, not long after that. So I learned how to do all of that by sitting down with him. His name is Clayton. And he really spent, there was a time where he would just sit for, with me for a whole day and at our laptops and show me all this stuff and teach me all yeah, this stuff. I, I, do the, I do the same thing. I, I, I just it's just it's just so nonsensical, but it's it's an evangelism. It goes back to the close encounters of the third kind. I want you to hear the, them sounds too, so you know like what you're about. You want to share it, yeah. You want to you want to give people like this enlightenment and go and okay now take it, take the rock and run. <laughs> I, 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 I want them to find what I'm found because we've been lied to so yeah. long about the Fed and all the things that are happening. But so, but you've done some things as far as broadcasting. And I, you know, I, I've, I've seen your profile and I don't, I don't want, I don't know what you are or are actively doing, but can you talk about what you're doing in the Bitcoin blockchain space as it relates to your life? Yeah. So when I left, when I finally left in 2018, I left CBS here in LA. Um, I left because Clayton, the technologist I told you about, invested, we came up with a great idea to start a show called Adventures in Crypto. And what we were going to do was travel around the country and the world and see how people were accepting the idea of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, but how countries were implementing it, if they were implementing it, was anyone even caring at that point? You know, so we traveled to various places around the world and we, we took a full crew, he funded us, and shot some great stuff all over the world. Um, shot some great stuff with John McAfee. That was also, <laughs> that's a whole separate story in itself. But anyway, we shot all this stuff because the, the idea was I was gonna go back to the networks and say, here's this thing, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain, and we're gonna put together a show about it and show the social side of it and show how governments are looking at it and how people are looking at it. And we're gonna try to pitch this to the networks. So this was 2019, 18, 19, after we traveled and shot and put together pieces and um, the networks just, they didn't want anything to do with it. And I, you know, we talk about timing. We've talked yeah. about timing multiple times in this podcast. And at that time, it was just like, they didn't want anything to do with this. I, my idea was crazy. And I realized 
I'm not going to get anywhere with the networks. And even if by some like miracle, they said, okay, we'll, we'll get this show. We'll air it at, you know, two ten in the morning or something, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they would absolutely, the networks would completely clip my wings. They wouldn't let us tell the story the way it needed to be told. They wouldn't let the people who I'm interviewing breathe. It would be canned in a way the network would see fit. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like you can tell the stories in this emergent space that, that includes not only crypto blockchain, but AI, uh, virtual reality, metaverse stuff, NFTs, gaming, esports, all that. You can't tell these stories in this growing space without letting the people who are forming this space be themselves and really just be out there and tell the stories. And so when that kind of failed, uh, the attempt to try to sell it to the networks and and get them on board with this because you know they chase the shiny things. Bitcoin is up today. Bitcoin is down today. Oh, people lost everything. Bitcoin died again today. Oh my God, Bitcoin is revived again yeah, today. Yeah, Stuart Varney only speaks on it, and MSNBC only speak on it if it's north of forty five thousand. Right? right. Back when it was okay. like, if it's south of forty five thousand, it's like yawn. It's not even up there on the ticker. So you know, there's there. Are, as we know, there's so many layers and so many stories in the, in this space that are endless. But that, to me, is the only story the mainstream media sees, at least right now. And so I knew that this wasn't going to fly. The brand that we were trying to do wasn't going to fly. And so I said, you know, there, we can't rely on the networks. <clears throat> Let's just create our own. And so during COVID, during the shutdown, we worked on, my partners and I worked on this concept behind me, okay. Scent TV. Go ahead, plug for people on, on Spotify and Apple. They're not watching. Go yeah, ahead, well, pl plug, shameless plug, go. Well, it's Crypto Entertainment News Television. That's what it stands for. Okay. And I'd like to, I have been calling it Fintertainment because. Oh, nice. Because it involves all of those things um, of crypto blockchain NFTs, all those things I spoke of, gaming, esports, all that. In uh, we look at those in a feature way. We we shoot them, write them, edit them in fun ways that people can be entertained and not realize they're learning about this, and not realize it's kind of like um, if you guys have heard of Axie Infinity, uh, that that game is really resonating with people, especially if you read the stories about how it's helped people in the Philippines, especially during COVID and yeah, lockdown, right. people were able to earn cryptocurrency by playing these games through Axie Infinity. And they didn't realize they were learning about cryptocurrency. They had downloaded digital wallets. They had done all these things because it, because it had been gamified. So I figured if all of these topics can be sort of gamified in a way, entertainified in a way that people would enjoy learning about it and not even realize that they're starting to understand and learn how all these things affect our, our lives uh, and our financial literacy. So that's why we created Scent TV. We don't want to be a Bloomberg or a CNBC where we're constantly analyzing the prices of coins and Bitcoin and this and that. There is going to be some level of that. Uh, there's also going to be crypto centric and uh, emergent 
uh, technology-centric newscast. Mm -hmm. But most of the programming that we're looking for is going to be that really entertaining, thought-provoking, fun stuff in all these categories. And we're looking for content creators that, as you know, are scattered all over the internet. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. We're actually- If you're a person where you sit down at the internet or you sit down at your laptop or whatever and go, okay, where do I start? You don't know who's credible, whose information is viable. You don't know what information is viable. This industry moves so fast. The space is at lightning speed. We want to be that hub. Yeah, but let me me say to you this way, Elsa, the the thing about it, credible or not credible, you, you got two kinds of, uh, three kinds of people, right? Those that are, are there. Brian Armstrong, right? Jesse Powell, right? The founders of uh, Coinbase and Kraken. They're, they've arrived. They're there. They're, they're OGs as far as that face, right? And then there are the people that, hey, I've got an idea, right? And then there's everybody, everybody in between. But the thing about it is, is the bastion of ideas and the ability to actually execute on them is unlike nothing we've ever seen in any of our... We, we didn't see it in the Industrial Revolution. We didn't see it in the uh, the, the, the technical revolution. I mean, so... The, the dot-com. We didn't see it. Yeah, right? But now, but now we've come to a place where, you know, anybody with a phone can make a movie, right? Yes. And, and, and so, and now... And it looks damn good, too. <laughs> yeah, damn good ones, too, right? Yeah, the, the, whole, the whole world has changed. But based on thought-provoking, I want to ask you this question. How do you see Bitcoin and blockchain? How do you see it changing the job market? Well, um, I feel my initial reaction is I think it puts power back into the people who are in the job market as opposed to the people who who control the purse. Absolutely. Um, You know, and this resonates with me as a journalist. And the whole reason why I became a reporter journalist to begin with from the tender age of 10 years old. <laughs> it was because we were meant to help people. And I see the, um, you know, I think Bitcoin and blockchain are, you know, people see the utility in it as far as the store of value and, and, and a, a currency and all these different things. But I also believe it is an agent of change in that it, it inspires people, at least it inspired me to, to become, uh, to gear my life again towards uh, that of service. And I felt like what journalism was getting away from, at least That's television right. news, I felt like this space, Bitcoin blockchain, was going to kind of get us back in that direction. So I see the spirit of journalism uh, in this industry and in Bitcoin and blockchain. It really gave me a sense, a renewed sense of hope that this is going to be a way that I'm going to be able to be of service again. And if people catch on, if we can enlighten them, people are going to see that they can break free of these chains, possibly of the nine to five and the golden handcuffs of people who have, you know, they're scared to leave their jobs because they need the health insurance and, you know, they have families to take care of. I get it. I'm in that situation. I'm a single mom. I totally understand it was a complete step off a ledge and a leap of faith that I took. But I can't tell you, you know, I made a lot of money as a TV news anchor, especially in L.A. Um, I can't tell you, though, right now, you, things are so thin because I'm on a mission here and, and, and trying to get this network off the ground, Sent TV. 
but I'm so much happier now than I was when my life was completely owned by the corporations I worked for. I, I hardly saw my kids. You know what news is like. It's 24-7. I you know, would get four to five hours of sleep a night, mat five, if I was lucky. Uh, you know, it just, it, at some point, it, I just, I, I was reaching that maximum <laughs> breaking point, so, you know, maximum capacity. I wanna, I and I, I'm just so much happier now, but I really want people to understand why Bitcoin and, and peer-to-peer transacting is more than just being able to pay for goods and services digitally, because we do that now. Right. Credit so, cards and debit cards. So, so let, me, let me just tell you something I've experienced in my own life. And as a recruiter, I've seen other people experience this. And we're going to tie this back to you, right? You know, somebody, uh, we'll call that person a young male. A young male, he actually comes into the workforce and he's able to buy his own car and he's able to do this thing and he's just, he loves life and he loves himself, right? Then, then there's a new dynamic that comes where he, right, in this case, he finds a partner who happens to be female in this case and he loves her and he loves his life and he loves his job but all of a sudden he doesn't love the job anymore but now there's the pressure from the her. Right. And then she actually has some loves like children. Then the children come and he loves her. He loves the children and he loves the job even less. But now he can't change the job. Right. Because he's, he's now serving too many masters. Right. Yeah. And and what I'm talking about right here is, is that, you know, because of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and, and smart decisions that Dave and I, I made. Right. We actually are at the precipice of, of saying to clients, no. I mean, recruiting, the money in recruiting is made by saying the word no, but the power of preserving your dignity and your integrity is also done by saying the word no. Because I can tell you, I, I, I have made what used to be acceptable is highly unacceptable today. You know, it's, I, I've had people like not hire candidates for, for reasons that I, I'm, I, I don't swear on this show, but I'm tempted to use a word, but, um, and then, and then I got to sit there and watch that. And so, but what's that, what that has done for me is, 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 is that cryptocurrency is representing this abundance. And I specifically want to come back to, I, I, you know, during George Floyd and during COVID and during the election, I mean, it was and even our, even sports where people would seek refuge. You, there was no refuge there. There was politics there. And it's just like, I had to just go outside just to change my mind. It was so bad. And one of the things I learned in a, in a fellowship that I'm part of, and we say is we look at the, the similarities and not the differences, right? And I saw this Bitcoin thing, and you know, I'm one of these people who actually comes from poor too. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged for a couple of reasons. I'm male and I'm Caucasian. And even though you know, I've, I've, I've had a bad lot in life, right? I've never been put face down by the cops because you know my race and my gender. I haven't been harassed that way or denied service for the most part. And so the thing about it is, is but where I've been really, really angry is I've, I've, I've never been broke enough to actually be part of any aid and I haven't been rich enough to actually have lawyers to skate out of paying the taxes, right? And so every time I keep getting ahead, it's like there's this new rule and there's new law and there's just not the reciprocity. And so there's this anger and this rage that has fueled me. And I've used that anger and rage to actually be successful in business, right? Create abundance, support those that I love and, and leave a legacy for my, for my children. But the thing, and, and, and the thing about it is, is that 
I was watching the Black Lives Matter on TV, and I was on podcasts during during uh, during during COVID, where guys from Black Lives Matter saying, "Hey, we want we want money in the form of Bitcoin because it's sound money, right?" And so I'm saying, okay, whether you know, I'm not going to endorse nor oppose any specific cause as it relates to anything. I, my only controversy is I believe in Bitcoin. Come and get me because you can put me in jail, but you ain't taking my Bitcoin. Good luck. Make it illegal. You still ain't taking it, okay? I'm going to El Salvador. I speak enough Spanish. ¿Qué pasó? Yo tengo Bitcoin. Vatos. But, but really what I, what I want to say is, is that <clears throat> there's a certain freedom for women and minority women as it relates to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And that I stand for, right? And I, I know I didn't expect to go this deep on the show, but we're there. We're right. here, right. and as a, a, a you know, a, 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 as a product of of a fifteen year old mom in Venice, California, right, as a Latina female, right, and a single mom right now who's been on both sides of that, right. You 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 know you he had an ice box, not a fridge. I heard you, I heard you saying that. Now I actually have some street line identity from like eating pie, pies, right. Pies, No, but anyhow. Um, <laughs> Speak to the thing of the empowerment for the otherwise marginalized and, and what Bitcoin is as a big equalizer. So you hit the nail on the head and I use the word marginalized too, because I feel like in the past three years that I have kind of um, submerged myself and immersed myself in this space, I have learned and I learned quickly early on that um Bitcoin and everything that comes with it is so much more enlightening and freeing and promising uh, to those who are more marginalized. So the more marginalized uh, a country is, a people are, whatever a community is, the more they're going to get this, the more they're going to see the light uh, and the freedom this brings, this entire industry brings. So I feel like, you know, in my travels, when we were shooting Adventures in Crypto, when we went to uh, Japan and we went to Spain and we went to, you know, we went to Ibiza and we went to uh, places all over the world, I realized that, uh, you know, and in watching other countries um, starting to accept Bitcoin, like uh, El Salvador and other countries starting to contemplate using it and making it legal tender, I feel, and especially countries in Africa, um, how quickly they are adopting this, getting this, setting themselves up for a life that includes transacting in this way. Uh, India is another example. Yeah. You know, you have 18% of the world's population in India and crypto is spreading like wildfire. Yeah. When you have 18% of the world's population that were most of them in that 18% were no part of the global economy, all of a sudden going to become part of the global economy, there is going to be some flippening. Yeah, you're talking about the unbanked. You're talking about the unbanked. Right. Yeah. Unbanked. Yeah. But also, you know, there's going to be some flippening of world powers here. And I fear personally that the United States is going to come in last here because we already we, are. We already we, are. Yeah, we are. We don't see ourselves as marginalized. We've had the luxury of 
having banks and debit cards and transacting online. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. It's not that. It's that during the, we're 5% of the population, but our currency is settled in 88% of the world. So sure. it, it's that in, arrogance, right? And, yes. so, and we and we alone have the power to debase as much of that money right. as we want to support our wars right. or our unethical ventures, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, want, I want to say this to you. It's It's... They're going to illegalize Bitcoin eventually when the government realizes it's crashed. I don't see. I, I don't see them. It, it, it's kind of like they already realize. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> take, take take case in point, right? And I, I'm not on either side of this, right? The vaccinations, right? They have said to mass populations: if you're a prison worker, you're an airline pilot, or whatever, you get vaccinated or you're fired, right? Enough people said, we we take the dare, right? And then Southwest said, uh, we don't have an airline anymore. So, hey, we're going to back that one down, right? And certain units, et cetera, et cetera, right? What's going to happen is they're going to say, if you use Bitcoin, you're this. And people are going to say, okay, we're this, right? We take the dare. And then all of a sudden there's going to, but I, I don't see that coming politely. I see they're going to turn off electricity. They're going to turn off power. And the reason that gold and silver is powerful is that you're going to want to actually hold it when they turn off temporarily gold. I'm, I'm, and I'm always sharing this with you because you're enough of a reporter to have seen what happens to human beings when they are deprived by an oppressive force. Sure. Uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. There's a reason why that saying exists and people will do what they have to do to survive and or, you know, what they perceive as what they need to do to endure a situation. Yeah, to preserve. So, you know, yeah, and to preserve themselves. I mean, we saw it during COVID when people went nuts buying all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer and, right. you know, yeah. uh, and clearing off the shelves because the panic set in. You know, I I really hope, I really hope to God we don't have this dystopian future uh, in front of us here. But uh, it's, it's, I really see how the government and the regulatory agencies are starting to slowly creep in. They're trying to creep in without uh, causing a big ripple, but at some point it is going to. And I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I don't want to uh, fear monger, but I think that we are going to be part of a revolution it's not unheard of. <laughs> there have been revolutions throughout history uh, for, uh, you know, since the beginning of time. And maybe we're about to be in one. I don't What do you mean, maybe? Come yeah, look around is, you. This is very this basic. Is, this is happening. Well, I guess you're just on the scene with your camera crew, but this well, is happening. But here's, here's, what's, no, here's what's listen, going on. I, I don't want to say anything as a statement of fact. No, no, no I get it. I, I, you know what I, I mean? I, 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 I get it. I, here's, I get here's it. a statement of fact, all right? People either have a flight or, or uh, fight or flight part of their system. and it's, it's in our brains, right? We either fight. We fly, we fly away, right? or so, you buy Bitcoin. So, so what's well? Here, here's my point. All right, if you're buying Bitcoin, if you're on that gravy train right now, then you are fighting. Okay, you are part of the fighting population because that's that's what's being invoked in your parasympathetic system right now. Point of order. Okay, it's a train, but not gravy. Point of order. So right. I, and I, by I, the way, Dave, Dave, you're right. Uh, like my brother, David. <laughs> um, he he is the one who got me thinking about buying coins because he always buys the little gold and silver coins and has a whole bunch of that stashed away. And I thought, well, that's not a bad idea. I mean, everyone knocks on gold and haha, gold is, you know, uh, boomer money and all that kind of stuff. But 
I, I absolutely agree with you. You got to have something tangible if we're going to be pushed to points where we're going to have to survive. So, uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to cut you on this, but I, j- I just want you to reinforce the people who are listening. Just get a little Bitcoin. Just have some. Right. Yeah. Especially, especially if you consider yourself a marginalized class. Okay. Cause I'm going to tell you, there's no one coming to rescue you. All right. Yeah. There's no yeah. one coming to rescue you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, look, look at it was potentially going on right now with Yellen talking about looking into our, our bank accounts with at $600 because the evil are rich and yeah, but you really think the rich are holding their money in banks right now? I mean, yeah, right. That, exactly. I mean, come on. It's, it's ludicrous. Uh, it's never been about, going after the rich it's been after going it's been about going no, after but the squeezing the, the, the middleman middle yeah yeah and, and everyone else to hold up but squeezing the marginalized the, yes of course of course so this is a way to flip that script people are really getting tired of being locked down in their nine to five jobs getting paid less right. at, to do more and seeing less of their families getting away from the reason why they had families to begin with they're just getting away from this life of, of yeah. It's, it's called being anti-Marxist, and more right? It's called being free. And more, more importantly, they're tired of looking down at their kids and saying, "Hey, they're going to have it worse than me for the first time yeah. since the creation of this country." Elsa Ramon, I can't thank you enough for actually just making the time, being so authentic, you know, with your conversation with us. And so we're definitely going to have you back. And well, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. And next time we'll have to do, I, I got coffee, but next time maybe we have a deeper conversation and we have martinis or wine. Or we're all, we're all about deeper conversations here at the bit about crypto <laughs> podcast, Travis, my engineer. Thank you so much. No, thank you for another week. And of course I couldn't do it without my, uh, I can't really call him. I'm me, the lone ranger because in the, yeah, you're climate, really going to you know? step in that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so anyhow, Dave Hampton, the robo recruiter. Thanks again. And remember eternally grateful. If you see now you got the right attitude about what this relationship needs to be. I was waiting, for it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm you know, if, you, if, Oh, don't get me started. I'm not talking it, uh, about <laughs> uh, now we have to start the whole show over. Yeah, uh, I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for you're a job, such a rush. If you're looking for a job in crypto, call us. If you're looking for someone who's looking for a job in crypto, call us. And remember, get whispered.